party it's fine my name is matt rory this is careless whispers you're listening to clns radio and uh just like kevin durant and the warriors are going to be able to half-ass their way through the nba season i plan on half-assing my way through this show tonight calvin so i hope you're ready to carry the load right normally i do some prep tonight no prep prep three nights you know, we haven't done the show so in a while. So it's a half effort all around. Here we go. Everybody yeah. ready for this ride? Now, yeah, we haven't done a show in a while, so I thought, you know, there could have been a bunch of stuff we could have talked about. But on the other hand, it's pretty easy. It, it looks like uh, tonight's going to be pretty easy, man. we got we got an NBA free agency going on. Uh, we've not done a show in several weeks due to uh, the confluence of schedules, which just hasn't worked out. Unfortunately, so we really haven't even had a chance to talk about the draft and, you know, what happened to the Celtics on, on draft night. And so we'll spend some time doing that, and we'll talk, uh, we'll talk about some of the Lakers' moves. We'll do that. And, yeah, that'll be the show. So no press. All right, and we'll take some calls as well at 323-642-1484. That is our extra special call-in number just for this show. You can't call anybody else on that number, ladies and gentlemen. It's just us. So call it uh, if you want to get on and talk to us about some things because we all know there's a, a, a lot going on over the weekend. How was uh, how was your weekend, Calvin? It was a, a nice long weekend, a holiday for everyone in the country celebrating our independence. Do you still have all your fingers? Yeah, I do. Unfortunately, I did not. I was not able to get my hands on any fireworks. So uh, yeah, I had an explosive, uneventful weekend. Well, of course, fireworks are illegal in Massachusetts. So we went up to New Hampshire and uh, saw some fireworks lit, lit off in the yard at the party we were at, and uh, everybody's safe. So it was a successful weekend in that regard. Here, here it's more of a city-by-city city thing. It is not legal in the city in which I live, but it is legal in the city adjacent to. Interesting. Well, that's enough for uh, Independence Fourth of July Day talk. That's the new name, official name of the holiday, by the way. Independence, 4th of July Day. That's it. Don't forget it. All right. But that's enough of that. Uh, we do get the big basketball news, of course, over the, uh, over the weekend was Tim Duncan's retirement. No, I'm just kidding. Did you see that there was a, something floating around on Twitter about Tim Duncan allegedly going to retire and being that, that being the way that he was going to go out, he waited for Durant to make his uh, his announcement and then retire. No, I don't know. Yeah, it was it was one of those stupid little Twitter rumors. I figured I'd throw it out there just because of, to have some fun. But no, that 
There's no truth to that as far as I know. Um, the true thing is that Kevin Durant decided that uh, he was going to join the enemy and leave Oklahoma City, leave his boy Russell Westbrook, your boy Russell Westbrook. There might be some Laker implications there we can talk about later. Uh, but he's going to leave OKC. He's going to the back-to-back NBA finalist. The back-to-back NBA MVP is on this team, the Golden State Warriors. The rich get richer, Calvin. Uh, are you going to move to Oakland? I am not going to move to Oakland. Um, I've been to Oakland before. I'm not the biggest fan of it. Uh, are you going to move to San Francisco, perhaps, if the team decides to relocate over there? I, I'm not. A, I'm also. I'm a bigger fan of San Francisco, but I'm not a fan of the lack of space in San Francisco. So I will not be moving to guys. Okay, so you're not going to be a fan of uh, the Golden State Warriors. Does this mean you're going to absolutely hate the Golden State Warriors uh, with a passion and hope that they lose? Uh, no, it, it probably does not mean that, but I, I get the sense that it might mean that for you. I, no, it doesn't mean that for me, but what I'm getting at here is that there's already this notion that you're either going to love watching this team play basketball or you're going to hate this team because of the way that they were they brought themselves together Kevin Durant yeah, aside and and as far as he is concerned we can talk about him in a second but as far as the team overall is concerned I still think that I'm going to enjoy watching them play basketball I think it's going to be nice to, to, to see how they try and fit in and while I don't necessarily agree with uh, with the competitiveness or the competitive nature of the move on Durant's part you can't blame the rest of that Warriors team for him coming there. Uh, they are still a, a, an energetic group of young players that are going to be really fun to watch. And this doesn't make me hate them, but I'm certainly not going to be rooting for them when they go up against the other teams in the Western Conference now, as, as I had been in the past couple of years, just because they've been so good. So what makes a difference for you? Are you one of the people – like, I know there are people out there who, like, hate free agency – and they hate the idea. I do, they, they, like, Kevin Durant would, like, go, why can't Kevin Durant be the guy who tries to beat the Warriors, right? I guess you wanted to get to Kevin Durant in a second. Let me push this from the Warriors side. Like, from the Warriors side, obviously, if you're, you know, part of Warriors management, if you're part of the team, you have nothing to do with this, ultimately, because Absolutely. management decides. management decides who's on the team and who does, who's not on the team. I mean, maybe you can have some input into it, but if, if, uh, you know, Jerry West says, hey, we're going to go after Kevin Durant. I don't think it's really Steph Curry's job to be like, no, don't do that. You know what I mean? They, they signed him as a free agent. It's not even like they traded away somebody uh, on the team that, like, that, you know, Steph Curry would be betraying if he was like, yeah, give it a Draymond to bring him Kevin Durant. No, he was a free right. agent. They had, they had the ability to bring him in, and they brought him in. Should, should like, they have all this loyalty to, to – uh, Harrison Barnes instead, and be like, no. you know, what a yeah, right, and that's that's why that. I wanted to lead with that because it's it, that's basically nothing. The meat of this story yeah. is, yeah, I wanted to bury the lead here, Calvin, because the, the meat of this story yeah, is, is regarding Kevin Durant. You can't blame the Warriors or their management or anything in that regard. Even if Steph Curry was the one that was was most influential as far as wooing Kevin Durant is concerned. I don't know if you saw pictures out there of Kelly Olenek and Marcus Smart walking with Danny Ainge. 
uh, away from the Kevin Durant meeting and Tom Brady in that picture as well. If if it was solely based on players, the Celtics wouldn't have sent anyone, you know? So as far as that's concerned, even if Steph Curry was the most influential as far as wooing Kevin Durant, I don't I don't put any blame on him as far as wanting to create the super team or whatever. He's already surpassed. He's already been on the team that surpassed the uh, most number of regular season wins. He's trying to build on that, so I don't blame him for that. But from an as an outsider looking in, Kevin Durant looks like he's taken the easy way out, and it looks like he just. He, he doesn't want a cha- the challenge of perhaps going to a San Antonio to try and compete against the Warriors or staying in Oklahoma City one more time to, with what Russell Westbrook to see what they can do next year. He is uh, just taking the, the, the money and running, uh, and I know it's not the most money because he didn't stay at, at, in OKC, but in the long term, the, the, the max money is still going to be there, and he, for some reason, is trying to get this one-year under his belt in Golden State instead of uh, doing it going forward. So, yeah, I, I guess I don't completely understand this the, the mentality of, like, what, what you're kind of saying is, like, if he had – I mean, if he had gone to the Celtics, you, I'm guessing you would have been fine with that, right? Let's just, let's just do some math here. You got on the Celtics, you probably, you probably would have been okay with that, right? Right, but I'm I would have argued that he, he would still be better off signing in Oklahoma City for for the one year and then opting out if it doesn't go well there. Because I think that they had a good team. They had a good thing going. So he basically is – if you're not doing it that way, then you're basically saying, I have no faith in Oklahoma City at all, even next year. Goodbye. That's it. I don't know. I mean, I mean, Kevin Durant is, what, 27, 28? Like, maybe he was tired of playing in Oklahoma City. I don't – Yeah, I, possibly. I yeah, maybe, maybe that tied into it. Or, I, I, but I think in his case, it, it seems obvious that, that more being tired of being Oklahoma City, he was tired of losing. And he wanted to create a situation where he could guarantee that he won. Now, it's, it's an interesting thing because I, I, I think part of the, the criticism of Kevin Durant is like also the reason why Kevin Durant left Oklahoma City in the first place. You know, because we create this culture where, like, we put so much stock into winning. And it's like, you know, who's the next? Like, as soon as, you know, Dirk Nowitzki wins a ring, then it's like, who's the next best player to not win a ring? Oh, LeBron. Oh, LeBron wins a ring. Who's the next best player not to win a ring? And so KD is in that, he's feeling that career pressure that we put on him. We demand that he wins. And then he, he turns around and he he finds the, the best situation for him to win, and it's like we don't like that because we want we wanted him to win in Oklahoma City instead. We wanted or Oklahoma City fans obviously certainly did. We wanted him to win, but if, but if the Thunder uh, drafted a guy who like turned out to be the the uh, the best player in the league, you know, better than Durant. And then they won a title on that guy's back with Durant being the second banana. Nobody would criticize Durant for being the second banana in that situation. Or say it's like we we create this limited lane in which guys are allowed to win on our terms, and I I kind of find it ludicrous. Yeah, I mean I'm not I, I'm not one to criticize a, a guy for not winning once you get there, and he's only gotten there. Uh, no, that's, I'm not what? saying that right. I'm not saying that right. I'm, I'm saying that, I, I, like, with, with LeBron James, for example, 
I will criticize him for getting him get him getting there so many times and losing. But once there, you get there a few times and you actually win like he's done, you have to back off your criticism a little bit, right? Kevin Durant hasn't even gotten there yet. So it it's just it's this perception that people are are going to have that he is taking the easy way out, that he is uh, going to end up deferring, and I've already heard this narrative on the on the radio around here. He's showing that he's a uh, weak-minded individual, and that he defers more than he takes over, and he doesn't have the clutch gene and all this stuff. The same stuff the people, were, myself included, were saying about LeBron James, and actually in the final moments of, of multiple games in the finals, you could still say that about that about LeBron James. But if you're looking at the whole game, he obviously was dominant. Um, either way, I digress. The point is that Durant is now going to be able to get there, but unless, even on this Warriors team, if he's the number one guy next year, Calvin, and he goes out and he scores 30 points a game and he carries them through the NBA Finals and Steph Curry's the one that's looking at him to, to score in the final moments, whether they win or lose, people are going to look at him differently and they're going to, I, I, I personally will respect him a little bit more. But if he turtles, like he he and other guys on Oklahoma City did against the Warriors this year, or he defers to Steph and Clay. It's none of this, um, none of this, uh, oh, it's their team. They were here first. I'm going to get them the ball. No, if you are the best player or trying to be the, prove yourself to be the best player in the league, I don't care whether you're on, a, on Team USA or you're on the Philadelphia 76ers. If you're the best player in the league, you've got to play like it, and you need to have that mentality at the end of games. And you need to have that killer instinct. LeBron is showing that he still has that, and he's he's gained more of that as his career has gone on. Kobe Bryant had it. Guys like this had that in them, Calvin. And regardless of the team that Durant had chosen, he still needs to prove that to people in in those moments before he's going to be looked at as one of the all-time greats. If that's what we're getting at. But, but again, I don't. I guess I don't see that either because. Because it's like in, in that scenario where, like, uh, obviously if they lose, okay, and Kevin Durant doesn't do as much as he should and he def- or as he can and he defers, then I could see where that argument would leak into it. Although, you know, if, if you look uh, at other examples of this type of super team throughout NBA history, there's always uh, a sort of period of time in which they struggle to figure out exactly how the pieces fit. Although in, in this case, I, I think that'll be less of a problem just because they're all shooters. They're all shooters who don't necessarily need to dribble. And I, th- I think Durant will fit. He'll fit right into the Warriors' offense. Like, Harrison Barnes gets wide-open threes all the time. Granted, that's not going to happen with Kevin Durant, but, like, he's going to get open shots where he doesn't, have, he doesn't have to hold the ball. But my question is, is like, why does he? If, why why can't he just be a cog in their offense? What if Kevin if, if Kevin Durant averages 18 points a game next year? Are we really just going to immediately like like think that Kevin Durant is some sort of failure, or that he's like taking a step back, or that he's even not as good as he used to be? Like, are we? He has to. No, I don't look at it like that. I don't look at it like that. I look at it like I was just saying in the in the important moments. He could average 20 points a game, and if five to seven of those points are in the last six minutes of the game, then I would probably say that that's, that's more impressive than averaging 30 points a game and having it all come in the first half. You know what I mean? I factor that yeah, in. I a lot of people forget about clutch. They forget about tense moments. I factor that in. If you're a smooth player, 
and and you can knock down shots when when it really matters. I value that more than what what you do in the first quarter. I guess what I'm getting at is is what if what if Clay is the one taking you know uh, six shots in the third quarter to to carry them? What if Steph well, is on fire? Well, sometimes it can be him. He's proven that he can do that, and Steph has yeah. as well. But the, my point is that if Durant is out to look like the best player and prove himself to be the best player, then he's going to have to start doing that. He can't go in there and start deferring to those guys, and that could be that could be an issue. They, they they're going to want the ball. I, I mean, that could be one of those things where they have to learn how to play together, all of them, not just Steph guess, and, and Kevin, you know. That can be an issue when it comes to the argument, the hypothetical argument of, like, who the best player in the NBA is. You see Durant deferring in this situation where you go, oh, well, I guess, I guess it wasn't Durant because he's not the, the best player on this particular team. And he's not the one getting the ball in, in these situations. I understand that argument, but but I, maybe for in Durant's case, I'll, he cares more about winning. It it seems to me like that's what this decision is. Um. All right. I don't know where you're planning on going after this, but we do. There are a couple callers on the line at three two three six four two one four eight four. I want to remind them to press 1 because I recognize them both and sometimes they just don't want to come on the air. So if you guys want to come on the air and press and talk to us about anything uh, or if we pique your interest, make sure you hit 1 on your phone there and uh, we'll bring you up. Um, but after, after this, as far as I'm concerned, is I, I wanted to know what it means for the Lakers the year after. Um, but actually, one of those callers has pressed 1, Calvin, so why don't we just go to him? Because it's been a while okay. and I know... I know that uh, he's going to be excited and probably wants to more talk about the Celtics offseason move than this Kevin Durant thing, but we'll see uh, what he's got to say. It's Sam in San Diego. What's going on, Sam? Nice to hear from you. You too, guys. It's great to hear you guys back. I've been waiting for you guys. Yeah, it's Um, been a few weeks. We've, uh, we've, We've had some mishaps. I've had a schedule that I totally forgot about as far as work's concerned, and here we are. So, hey, this past weekend was incredible. I mean, it's going to be one of the more, one of the more memorable weekends that I can remember. Uh, the elation of the Horford signing. Um, I, you know, I, I was in and out of Twitter, and all I saw was the one where it said, uh, well, you know, the, it sounds like uh, the Celtics have lost hope of, uh, of getting him. And then the next moment you're seeing that we sign him. That was pretty crazy in itself. And then uh, – the elation of that to all of a sudden, you know, you see the Tom Brady thing, you're starting to think that it may be possible that we get Durant. Yeah, um, Sam, you know what? We haven't even mentioned Al Horford yet, and usually this is we lead with the Celtics, and this is definitely a Celtics-based station that people are listening to right now, CLNS Radio, of course. But we haven't even mentioned yeah. Horford. So maybe that's a slight on us. Maybe we shouldn't be fo- taking the national story and running with it. Um, it but was overshadowed. Horford is, a, Horford is a big deal, but... I don't know. I'd like to know what Calvin thinks about this. I didn't really think that that necessarily meant anything as far as Durant was concerned. And I still thought that the Celtics were far, far behind uh, Oklahoma City and Golden State as far as teams that he would choose if he really was going to win, want to win. I thought they had a shot, but if, if he really was trying to win, it's those two teams that he, that he should be staying with. Um, so regardless of that, the Al Horford thing to me was just separate, and I think it was a good deal because uh, there's not much else out there as far as a 
high-end talent is concerned. They needed to sign somebody to a max deal. And uh, regardless of whether they got Durant or not, Horford, to me, is a, is a good signing here. And I'm, I'm happy to see a guy of that caliber come in because in the East, you never know. And if, uh, if, if it's the LeBron and Kyrie Irving show next year in Cleveland, maybe you'll see the Celtics in, in the Eastern Conference Finals with a shot to knock them off. I, you know, I, I was I was elated, but the problem, and I wasn't thinking about Durant either. I was just excited that we finally had signed a big free agent, and and uh, and, and people weren't going to be able to say that about us any longer. I, I, was, I was just excited about a signing, and but it wasn't until the, the I think the Brady thing kind of got everybody's hopes up and, and started to really put a national spotlight on the Celtics. I, I, it got me to actually think about the possibilities of Durant um, for for a while. So it kind of kind of put the damper on the on the Horford thing for a bit. And and then it's funny because as, as, as it approached, 4th of July approached, and, and I was thinking, wow, imagine fireworks. Can you imagine if it happens on 4th of July? And, and, and just as, as he was saying, he was going to announce on that particular day. But as, as the morning of, I think we all kind of knew he wasn't going to come to Boston. And, and, and then it started to sink in that he could actually go to Golden State and what it would mean for our window, which is the same window. And, and that was the most depressing part about it, I think, for all fans across the NBA was that all of a sudden, you know, what what happens? How do you approach this? You know, when you have this monster team on the other side that that I, I don't know how the general managers must be thinking today. but Yeah, well, you, you know what, Sam and Calvin, jump in here too because uh, there's still a lot of work to do on that Golden State roster. Sure, they still have a, a, the main pieces. But you're not going to play those guys for 48 minutes every night. Uh, and they won 73 games in part because they were so deep. So filling out that roster is going to be a challenge. Sure, they've already found uh, Zaza Pachulia on a good size contract. And reportedly David West is going there as well. But I'm not, I just, I'm not one to buy into that stuff as far as a championship is concerned. I mean, even LeBron James in Miami struggled that time you know it was it was tough on him the first year and uh it's it's all it's really only worked out in that first year for the celtics and that was not one of these situations where they just commingled players because they like playing with each other that was calculated by danny ainge he had a vision for a team and it actually worked out so give him props for that but it usually doesn't work out calvin what do you think about the depth of that team now I don't think this is a this is a first year scenario because this is a team that has already won a title. They were in the finals last year and now they're adding a major piece. They're more like a team yeah, they're more like a team that, you know, changes over the course of uh what they are. They become like the Lakers adding Michael Thompson or some some sort of scenario like that. The Celtics adding Bill Walton. It's like they're adding a, a you know, obviously this is a much better example of that. But in my opinion, it's it's one of those things where the team is already formed. The offense knows what it wants to do. Everybody knows what it wants to do, and it's up to that one guy to find his his niche in the in the new team scenario. So I think maybe they'll struggle a little bit earlier early in the year, but I don't expect it to take them very long to gel over overall at all. Especially because in this particular situation, Durant's skill set, like I said, is right. Like he can he can do you know if, if he just. If if he only took Harrison Barnes' shot and you know defended Harrison Barnes' guys, he'd be better at that than on both ends than Harrison Barnes was. But I, I think that his, his role will be expanded beyond that, obviously. But uh, the point is, is like he he fits right into that slot. I, yeah, do they still have a center problem? 
you know, Pichillo is, is kind of an underrated guy. Uh, they still are going to have an issue being being bullied around uh, when it comes to giving up rebounds in certain situations. And, yeah, maybe, you know, at the end of the year and in the playoffs, when, when teams get worn down, I think that's that's when the Warriors had a little bit of trouble sort of out-muscling teams, and maybe they'll need another uh, rebounder type. Although, you know, like they already got Patrulli and West. Uh, I think they'll probably end up with another team. So I wouldn't be super concerned about the team. I, if, you know, if I was somebody who I thought my team was a legitimate contender uh, right now, which in my case, obviously I don't. But if I did, then I certainly would be depressed by the way this scenario is played out. So, Sam, what do you think this means for the Celtics' window and their their shots this whole weekend, Horford and all that, and who knows what happens going down the line. They still have some moves that they're going to have to make regarding rookies and the players they drafted, as well as uh, Amir Johnson and Jared Sullinger, who, uh, and Tyler Zeller, for that matter, two of which have a qualifying offer out there, as far as I know, and Johnson, who has a, an option that they could pick up if there's nobody else that they want to pay that money to. Um, where does this leave the Celtics, man? Well, you keep hearing about about Butler still being a possibility, although I don't know what that would involve. But, but to me, I mean, as long as Westbrook is out there now, I, I, I don't want to see a trade for Butler. I, I want to see that play out because uh, I, I think Westbrook is likely to be traded before the season starts, if not the deadline. But I would like to have a shot at him. Um, because if there's anybody you can you can build around and possibly get another star from, that would be that would be the guy. Because now you're really having to elevate your uh, elevate the amount of talent that you're going to need to win a title. Now, I mean, this is so, a 73 win team adding, you know, an MVP, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right, Sam. I don't want to damper or put a dampen your your spirits here, but Westbrook, in my mind, is a ideal candidate for the Los Angeles Lakers. I think the Celtics, as much as they like Isaiah Thomas, and obviously Westbrook is a better player than Thomas is, I think they like Thomas, and uh, they're willing to build with him with with a few of the other pieces that they have. So, I don't know. To uh, to me, Westbrook looks like he's destined for L.A. So, Calvin, how do you feel about that? I know you love Russell Westbrook, but how reasonable and conceivable is that for your Lakers? Uh, I don't uh, honestly. I don't think. It, it, first of all, I don't think uh, Westbrook gets traded before the season starts, just because I think OKC is going to try to extend him before the October 31st deadline. I think if that passes, then you know maybe they'll try to move him. I wouldn't be surprised if he got moved uh, before the deadline, just so they can try to maximize his value, since he's he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. And, and in that case, I'd imagine that you know whatever team traded for him would have to trade for him with the idea that, that, you know, he would promise them that he was going to re-sign there or at least, you know, give them a major idea. Otherwise, teams are going to be reluctant to offer the the kind of deals that uh, OKC is going to want. I just don't know that the Lakers, again, unless Brandon Ingram comes out of the gate playing well, unless uh, D'Angelo, you know, shows a lot of improvement in season two, uh, I'm not sure that they have the assets to try to trade for Westbrook. I think in their mindset's probably, you know, waiting for him to become a free agent and take, taking their chances. But I don't necessarily like that strategy per se. I don't know. I, I think the Celtics, you know, the Celtics assets are kind of weird at this point. Um, you, uh, you're obviously you're not going to trade Horford for, for him. OKC's okay, so not going to do that. 
uh, you know, they're probably not taking Isaiah. So you could you could try to package your your defensive guys, but like the the guys the Celtics have as, as trade assets, guys like Bradley and guys like Shea Crowder, they make sense on on teams that are a piece or two away uh, from being legit, or you know they're they're contenders who need a defensive player to help to help their team, uh, even a guy like Smart. But I don't think you trade oh you know a Westbrook. For a guy like like those three names who are all good players, but none of which can really be the leading guy on your team. Hey, you know, right, the, the one thing I don't want the one thing I don't want to see is I don't want to see Cleveland try to trade Kevin Love to us. Now I don't want to deal guys like Bradley and Smart over to, to them. Um, yeah, I, you know what? Even though they play different positions, I think the fact that Horford is here means that Kevin Love is probably not coming to Boston and Danny is just sort of looking away from him I would hope anyway unless he can get Kevin Love for a uh, a really good value whatever that may be uh, but I mean if you can I guess get rid of Sullinger or Olenek and upgrade that way then that's fine with me but I'm with you Sam keep those young guards I want those guys to stick around uh, because I think that okay. they especially Bradley has some has some potential uh, to, to play better and I've I've said in the past that I thought he was going to plateau, but I've changed my mind on him because I think he's he's gotten better over the past couple of years, year after year. So I'm excited to see where he's at after this summer coming up. Thanks for calling, Sam. Great to hear from you, man. Thanks. To, it's so great to hear you guys back. Hey, James Young had a big, a few big threes today. Uh, I'm going out to summer league to see Jalen Brown dunk on a few football. So nice. Um, I hope you guys uh, are back regularly, and I'll talk to you soon. Go Celtics. All right, man. There he goes. I was watching some summer league earlier, actually, Calvin, and uh, it's not extremely exciting, but they had Brad Stevens on and all that stuff. So uh, that's always a little bit fun to see. But when people start freaking out about summer league, is where you got to draw the line with that stuff because some people are really overrating these players when they're going up against a bunch of scrubs that aren't going to see any time. Um, while we're on yeah, the topic of, go ahead. Yeah, I, I watched Jalen Brown in the summer league. Actually, let me—I'll I'll mention that in a minute because I, I do want to get to the, the Celtics chat. But but he mentioned Sullinger, and um, I'm curious. With cause apparently the Celtics are—they uh, made a uh, qualifying offer to Sullinger just yeah. to retain his rights uh, right. as a restricted free agent. The same with Tyler Zeller, who right. uh, it sounds like they're not going to match a, you know any any offer on Tyler Zeller, which makes sense. But um, would you like to see them match, you know, a real – do you think – first of all, do you think Soldier is going to get an offer on there, or do you think it's one of those classic restricted free agent scenarios where they, they, they're going to string Jared Soldier out through this entire process, and then they're going to end up signing him to, you know, like a like a three-year, $36 million type deal? Yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to look and see um, – do you know what the qualifying offer number is right now? I'm about to pull yeah, it up. Yeah, 4.3. It's 4.3. So I would imagine that he's going to get an offer bigger than that on the open market. Somebody's going to have yeah. to give that to him. I think the mid-level exception is like $6 million. Is that? Do you know if that's true this year? Um, uh, I have no idea what it is now, but you would have to imagine. Uh, I'm going to try and find it. As I'm talking. You have to imagine it's higher than, higher than yeah. six. Or, so, so, yeah. So there you go. Let's Don't put it at the – Point three qualifying offer that the Celtics have out there. The mid-level exception, let's call it six or six and a half. If okay. that's what you're getting Jared Sollinger for, then I would absolutely match that offer if I was the Boston Celtics. 
if you're if you're if locking yourselves in to him for a, an Amir Johnson type of contract, ten twelve million dollars a year for the next three years, I have to imagine there's somebody else that with more potential that you could give that money to. I don't have a name, a list of names, but to me, a guy like that you can find, and it doesn't have to be Jared Sullinger. So if somebody's offering that much to him, let him walk. But if it's a mid-level exception type of deal, then I would 100% match that. Interesting. Um, but I, since we're talking about the Celtics and their, their all their other players, just quickly we will mention that uh, Evan Turner is going to be signing a deal with uh, the Portland Trailblazers, so he will not be on the team next year. A guy that had played a lot of minutes for this team. So quickly, who gets those minutes? Are they going to have to rely on a rookie here? What do you think? I, I don't know. Early reports are Jalen Brown, but if he's not ready to go uh, or he can't hold up in the NBA for a whole season, I mean, do they go a little bit bigger with Crowder? Do they run Horford a lot more? I, I just I'm interested to see what happens with that backup, that essentially sixth man role for this team because that's what Evan Turner was. I mean, the thing about Evan Turner as well is that he he was sort of the primary ball handler for the team. Uh, you know, other than him and Isaiah, where the, the team doesn't really have a traditional point guard, um, I, I wonder if that this means uh, Marcus Smart's going to have to handle the ball more next season. We have to imagine that, right? Uh, yeah, probably. I think I think probably if the, like if the Celtics had their way, then. You'd like to see Rozier step up and take some of that playing time, right? Actually, yeah. He, he, speaking of summer league and guys that are looking good in the summer league, Terry Rozier, by all reports, is looking explosive. And I uh, was watching a few plays earlier tonight. He did look confident out there, so at least he still has that in the summer league. But you know who else looks confident out there in the summer league? James Young. So if you're going to go by things like that and D-League performance, then – it's not always a hit because James Young can't crack the rotation, and he's looked like a deer in the headlights when he has gotten on the floor in the NBA. So Rogier has not been that timid in the NBA so far, but we'll have to wait and see if he takes a step forward to get into that rotation with Evan Turner leaving because as as much criticism as people can give Evan Turner and as um, little as he's lived up to his number two pick in the draft status, he still is a capable NBA player that can give you quality minutes night in and night out. So you have to give him props. And honestly, Calvin, I grew to like the, the, the guy, and I'm, uh, I'm going to miss him. So good luck to him in, in Portland out there because uh, I think that he's, he's got a, a pretty good point guard to play with out there, better than Isaiah Thomas. And if he gets any time, it'll be good for him anyway. Um, anything else you want to throw out there before we bring another caller on? No, let's bring another call on. I'll talk about anything I want to talk about afterwards. All right, perfect. 323-642-1484. That's how you reach us here at Careless Whispers. Up next, a regular, a frequent listener and caller to the show, the one and only Mad Dog Mike. What's up, Mike? How are you, buddy? Hey, what's going on, guys? Um, Long time. I've been waiting for you guys to get back on the air, Um, especially with all the stuff that's going on. And um, and tonight I would like to talk about the um, Sully, and then I have a, a Laker question for you, um, Calvin. Um, after, okay. Um, if you if you don't mind, um, I know getting a little bit into the Lakers. Um, but 
Uh, just looking, obviously Kevin Durant going to Golden State certainly changes the Celtics' outlook here, and there, there there has been some debate about what the Celtics should do now. Um, and as far as assets go, I think that the Celtics right now, as far as as far as from the Oklahoma City perspective, have the best asset that they can offer as far as as far as as far as these teams out there, and that's that Brooklyn pick for next year. And if you look at Brooklyn's roster, if you guys take a look at, at Brooklyn's roster, that right to swap that that right to swap is going to be very strong. I think Brooklyn should have a top three lottery pick by all. From what I can see, that roster is like you said, it's not good. They shipped off their best pieces in the off season. So yes, and so you're going to be looking and. So if if Russell Westbrook um, would be committed to signing a long-term deal, then that would be that would be the way to go. But it sounds like he really wants to go to Los Angeles after um, next season. So um, in that case, if I'm the Celtics, they have plenty of cap room. They have those. They don't only have the Brooklyn pick from this year, and you're going to hear about guys like Josh Jackson, um, the, 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 the um, small four from Kansas, the two kids that are going to Duke, um, Harry Giles and, and Jason Tatum. You're going to be hearing about them in the discussion for the number one pick. And and, the, and this and Mark Fultz, the kid, the kid from Washington, this draft is historically, this draft is full of guys who, who could make a, who could, who, who could make a very big impact. On, on on a franchise, so it, 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 and the Celtics have the have the 2018 pick from the Nets as well. So I, I was thinking about this to, today, and if you can't get Russell Westbrook to a to a long term deal, would it be better to keep to to keep those picks? You you, you still have this flexibility in, in free agency with all this cap room still. But keep the picks and not make a knee-jerk um, move here for for for, for somebody if Russell would because I, I really yeah well Mark, okay I don't so, so what are we we're saying that Russell Westbrook is the is the best player that could be on the market for this coming year as far as top players in the league that uh, could be a franchise-changing player. All right, what happens if? I'm trying to look at. I'm trying to look right here. Hold on. Where did this go? Westbrook is obviously one of the top players there. But what happens if a guy like, not to say that he's a franchise changer, uh, Demar Derozan has a breakout season, okay, and he becomes available, and people start looking at him as a franchise changer. This is all hypothetical. What if what if a guy like uh, Paul George, all of a sudden Indiana is loaded up. What if they just can't do it and they play like crap and they don't make the playoffs? What if a guy like that becomes available? In that regard, absolutely. Keep those picks. Try and tra- I, th- My point is I think there's going to be more than just Russell Westbrook on the table here. So if Ainge has to do this last minute, am I going to trade it? Am I not going to trade it thing before the draft? And ultimately maybe pick a player that he thinks another team might like that uh, is looking to shop one of their players? I've said it before. I'll say it again. By all means, at that point, if you're in the top of the draft, talent is going to be there. If you need to reach just a little bit to 
a, to please a, a different team and maybe make a deal later, I'm all for that because I think you can still find a way to make a player like that fit in in the NBA. What if a, what if a guy like Miles Turner has a breakout season? Just think about all the young players in the in NBA that looked pretty good. They've taken a step forward, and maybe they'll become available. I, I just I think there's too much talent out there coming into the league to throw away those picks on a rash decision right now just because you couldn't get Russell Westbrook. You waited last year out, and the team performed above expectations. Do it again. Let them perform above expectations again. That'll get the fans excited, and eventually you'll, you'll have the assets that somebody will want to get a, a superstar type of player in here if you have to do it via trade. Yeah, I'm just talking about as of right now that Russell Westbrook would be the guy right now. We don't know what's going to happen with that with that Indiana team with 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 Toronto. We we don't know now. Of course, if, if, if Larry Bird calls, those are just random players that I'm throwing out there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Calvin, go ahead. Yeah, we're talking about actual guys. You know, Blake Griffin's going to be a free agent. Sure. just went to a window. Uh, he's going to be a free agent. There are there are some guys who are going to be. I mean, Steph's going to be a free agent, but come on with that one. Those guys who are like potentially on the market. Yeah. I mean, so, maybe maybe Portland tanks and Damian Lillard becomes available. I just mentioned him. Maybe Evan Turner is the is the uh, the the bad luck charm. Anyway. He goes to Portland and they tank. You know, and we the list you could just na- keep naming players that could become available. So the point is. Keep the pick, yes. What else you have here, Mad Dog? Yeah, and I would say, like I said, I think that that pick is just that that pick for, for the next two years that those two picks are are pure gold for the next two years. And I think I that, like, that that obviously that you waited out if one of those guys becomes available, Daniel Lillard, Paul George, guys of that caliber, obviously you trade the pick and. and and that could be your way of getting of, of getting a superstar in here, um, because free free agency has been really tough um, on the Celtics, other than this Horford deal. But but still, all all hope isn't lost in in the Greek freaks of free agent next off season. Um, well, it, so 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 all hope is not lost. That's is that's a good point. There's another name right there. Go ahead, Calvin. Yeah, last year around this time. Uh, all I heard from people was about how this year's draft was going to be so good, and there were all these guys who were can't miss prospects. And then when the tra- and then when it, when the season actually played out, when we saw guys playing college ball, it turns out it was just Ed Simmons and Brandon Ingram. So like I'm, I I feel like it's a little premature to get hyped about all these guys when we haven't really seen them at any level beyond the high school level. Maybe maybe that'll turn out to be accurate, but I'm like. Being hyped right. about the how many superstars are coming out of next year draft, I'm just I, I my tendency is to want to pump the brakes on that mentality. Well, that's, well, actually, that's fine with me too. But if you're looking at, at just free agents, let's focus on the good things here. Mad Dog just mentioned it. Horford is a big signing for the Boston Celtics. I don't think we're we're putting the spotlight on that quite enough. If you want to go by, let's just go by BasketballReference.com because I pulled it up here. They have a free agent tracker, and what they do is they rank these players in in terms of win shares, which is what they believe the player contributed to their team last year. So just guys that are free agents, whether they're restricted or unrestricted right now, the top five is Durant, LeBron, Whiteside, DeRozan, and Al Horford. 
So according to Basketball Reference, and this is the, these are the top free agents in in the entire league, the Celtics got the got a top five guy. The Lakers, Calvin, got another, got the eleventh guy on the list, Luol Deng. So other guys include Marvin Williams, Andre Drummond, Pau Gasol, Nowitzki, Howard. These are decent players, but the point is this year's free agent class is was not that strong other than Kevin Durant and who knows where LeBron James goes, but the Celtics got a top five guy. So they improved vastly. The Lakers look like they're going to be a little bit better and their, their young players should improve as well. They got a guy like blue all day. I don't know how well, maybe you can talk about that in a second Calvin, but the only other guys available here are like J.R. Smith and you're looking at Dwayne Wade. Then you're getting into Sullinger and Brandon Bass and things like that. So it's, it, it, nobody's going to Cleveland. That team's going to either be the same or they're going to lose J.R. Smith. So as far as the Celtics are concerned, you have to be excited about what, is, what they're bringing to the table next year as a Celtics fan because it's going to be better than it was last year based on Al Horford alone. Uh, I mean, I can kind of be neither. Do you want to take that or do you want to comment on that? Uh, my thing about Al Horford is this. Yes, I like the signing a lot because I, I, I think that Al Horford – not Al Horford, the Celtics have had this problem for a long time with all of their big guys, where they're like all either good offensively or good defensively. And Horford has been good both offensively and defensively over, you know, over the course of experience. So he's a guy you can actually play. Uh, he can you know get out on screen and rolls. He can switch. Uh, I'm fine with him. My only thing about Horford is uh, I feel like he's been sort of injury prone the last couple of years. I just wonder how long he's going to hold up as an elite player. He's a big man. Well, uh, that's that's why I think a four-year deal is perfect. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we uh, he may, let's, not, let's not forget that he was drafted, you know, along with Joe Camilla, and we've seen what happened to him and right. with his well, injury. Horford's yeah. 32. I'm not going to get out there and say that he's that he's a, a young kid. But I think that he still has a year or two in him where he's going to perform at a high level. And if those last two years he's a more of a role player, then at that point I think the contract is still going to be worth it. We'll have to wait and see on that. But I think for the the, the short term, it's going to be good, and they still keep some flexibility going forward in the next few years. Yeah, that should be interesting. It should be interesting to see what happens and and um, everything with that. And um, just to, I would just like to um, to um, leave here with, with just a couple um, thoughts. You were talking about, and then I have your question for you, um, um, Calvin. Um, the only okay. super te- team that I could consider that completely fell fell on its face as far as like loaded up with with supreme talent would have to be that 2004. Um, Lakers team, and and that team was full of the, 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 their big additions. Gary Payton and Karl Malone were were, were older, uh, but they completely fell, fell on their face in the finals against the um, Detroit Pistons, which was completely embarrassing for that roster, for as talented as that roster was. Um, but that's really the only team I can remember completely falling on their on their face. Uh, I think I, I just said Al Horford is 32. Sorry, I think I just said Al Horford is 32. He's actually 30. My mistake. Continue. Sorry. So that's really the only team. Um, well, and look, let's, let's and, not forget the uh, what the 2012 Lakers with, with Dwight Howard and Steve Nash. And 
and Kobe and Powell. And let's also not forget uh, Miami did not just succeed in their first year. They sort of uh, lost to an inferior Mavericks team that they got a lot of crap for. So, I, But I think this is the one example of uh, a guy joining a team, you know, and becoming four superstars where they're all still in their prime. Every other example has all been like an older guy or a guy who's yeah, not quite as good as he was. This is like the one time when everyone is at the apex of their game. Yes, and also I will point out that that 2012 Lakers team right right before the playoffs uh, suffered some, uh, uh, obviously, the Kobe Bryant injury, and, and they were beginning to play better better at that point. And, and, and there were a lot of people before that that said that they could – that, that they could make a run in the playoffs. So, so I'll sort of give them a mulligan there. But, um, but um, I, my final question for you is, um, Calvin, and I'll and I'll I'll stay on the line and and listen. And um, thanks for taking my call, guys. But um, what is your thoughts about um, about the draft and the second overall pick, um, 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 Brandon Ingram? Um, I just like your overall thoughts. What you think of him him for the future and and um, Obviously, I love him. I think that he has to fill out, obviously, a lot more. But watching him this year, I was highly impressed with him. He has a lot of skills, of this, especially offensively. So, so I think that I think that he'll be great out there with time. And really, the the Lakers, the I just don't. I mean, are they going to go in a direction here where they're going to build build through the draft and and um and that's how you're going to see. see see them build here, or are they going to become a more appealing place for free agents? So so those are my two questions for you, Calvin. Um, great show, guys. It's great to hear you back on the air, and let's go Celtics. Well, it's funny, man, because I, I was going to get into this right now, transition to this now, but I, I've been frustrated by the, the, the direction of the Lakers, or really frustrated by the direction of the league, because in times past, okay, throughout, throughout NBA history, uh, in, in times of financial stability, what, what you have is a situation where the good teams have, you know, all their best players under contract. Excuse me, the bad teams, assuming they're not bad because, you know, they took on an albatross of a contract, like the Lakers in, in this Kobe Bryant situation before this year, uh, before the cap came up, most teams that have money uh, – you know, are the teams that aren't good. So when free agents come along, that guy either resigns with a free agent or he's, you know, tempted by a team like the Lakers who, you know, might have salary cap money and they're also in the biggest market. And maybe the Lakers are competing with, you know, five other teams for all the major free agents. Instead, except for the guys who go back to their teams, instead we have a situation where the cap's going up so much that the Lakers having more money than everyone else in free agency doesn't matter because everyone has enough money to sign at least one dude to a max deal. So now it's a situation because it's a freaking uh, market and it's a buyer's buyer's market and uh, all these guys can go wherever they want. Any team they want to go, everyone's being, being... uh, put on a super team. So now the Lakers, who had the second worst record in the league last year, nobody's going to want to go to that. And it's just a situation where we can't even get meetings with guys like Durant. Or uh, I heard a hilarious uh, conspiracy theory that uh, Kevin Durant didn't give the Lakers a meeting because Stephen A. Smith said that he was interested in Durant and did that whole thing. Remember that thing last year with Durant where he was like, you do not 
want to make an enemy out of me. Mm, yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was the reason why he didn't give the Lakers a meeting, was like just to make Stephen A. Smith look bad, uh, which like I want to believe it because it's really funny. But uh, the point Can't is... Be, is I like, don't think it's true. Yeah. Yeah, I... I don't do I actually believe it's true, probably not. I th- I think that Durant is wanting to go to a place where he could win and he had s- seven different options, you know what I mean? That's that's what I'm getting at. Is like the Lakers shouldn't have to be competing with all these teams that are good. That's not the way it has worked throughout in, in NBA history. So now the it's like we're in a situation where the cap keeps going up every year and the only thing that matters is assets. That to me is is the best part of the Al Horford deal. In a in a vacuum uh, you know, do I think that you overpaid for Al Horford? Well, uh, of course, I, of course I do. But everyone overpaid for everything. But it doesn't matter because what happens is, is the next guy who comes along when the, when the salary cap jumps up a twenty another twenty million dollars next year, maybe you know Russell Westbrook does does want to play with Al Horford, or not him. Maybe someone else wants to play for Al Horford, and all of a sudden you guys look like a more attractive destination for the next guy down the line. That's that was my thing. Okay, like. Um, you know, the best we could do was Mozgov in in Luol Deng. I hate the Mozgov signing, and it, it's really because uh, they want to play fast. They have the roster for guys who want to play fast. There's an argument to be made that, like, uh, Russell sort of does the, the pick and roll, and Timothy Mozgov can be a pick and roll center and, and open up a lot of space for him. But, I, yeah, I just feel like he's going to be so slow. Uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe he'll recover. The day pick I I like a lot just because uh, he played a lot of small ball four in Miami. He can he's like a good rebounder and a good defender. Uh, and yeah, of course we overpay for him, but in in this market it it wasn't too unreasonable for me. But it's like really right. you, all this comes. You, you need to hit the floor first of all. You need to hit the the cap floor. So you need to pay a certain amount of money uh, as a team in, in order to not be taxed by the league. So I mean, you got to pay something. It was a four-year, seventy-two million-dollar deal. That's that's a good number for Luol Deng. He's he's still got some basketball left in him, and he showed it last year. He's a little bit injury-prone as well, uh, but he's he's just as good as any of those other guys out there. And most of those guys are getting those types of deals. It's it's just I mean, Pau Gasol got fifteen million dollars a year. So it's it, it, those deal those numbers are up there for a reason. More importantly, they need to hit the floor of looking competitive to try to lure in other guys. They need to hit that level of like, hey, these guys have something here. You know, uh, I could come, I could come to LA and not be the laughing stock of the league. They, the Cavaliers couldn't come to the Lakers and yeah, not take. A- I mean, it's 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 a slight overpayment, especially if you look at Marvin Williams. I guess he just got fifty-four million dollars from the Hornets. And they could have paid him more because he stayed with his own team. But so, would you rather have Marvin Williams four at fifty-four or Luol Deng four at seventy-two? I'm going with Deng. I'd rather have, yeah, I'd rather have Deng. I feel like he's a better rebounder and a better defender than Marvin. And uh, uh, he, he shot well from the perimeter last year too. Yeah, you just but like you know, uh, I'd rather have him than Evan Turner, who got seventy-five million with the Blazers. If we're talking about other contracts, in fact. Let's just do. I have, I have this list in front of me. Why don't we just do a little thumbs up, thumbs down? Again, all these all these are going to look ludicrous, but you, you have to keep in mind that this is what the market is. So in this mm-hmm. current market, let, let's see if you can like, you know, uh, the, the Celtics signed Al Horford to a four-year, one hundred and thirteen million dollar deal. 
So what are, what are we talking about there? What twenty eight million dollars a year for Al Harvard? Yeah, I mean in the yeah. in the market, I like it because it's going to look nothing like nothing in two years. So I like it. I like it now uh, as far as the, the the years are concerned. But it is an overpayment, obviously. Yeah, it is, it's it's funny because before this year, only Jordan and Kobe had ever had a contract where they've gotten paid thirty million dollars in a year. And now there's like multiple multiple guys on the list. DeMar DeRozan is the highest play, paid player in NBA history now, uh, with his five year, hundred thirty nine million dollar deal. So it is what it DeRozan. is. DeMar DeRozan, yikes! Yeah. How do you feel about that? Thumbs up. What is there. that? I mean, that's an uh, him being the highest paid player in in NBA history. I mean, Conley is Conley is. That's what I meant to say. Either uh, way, five years. Yeah. Five years, one fifty-three. Yeah, that's insanity. He, he's, I mean, he's making more than Kobe did in his final couple yeah. of years. Um, I'm, it just, I don't know. It, it sort of reminds me of A. Rod's deal when he became the highest-paid player in Major League Baseball history, and you, you knew it was just going to get higher and higher from there. I, at the time, didn't really see why he deserved to be that player, and he sort of grew into it, and then fell on his face, and he's he bounced back a little bit. But either way. You can't really equate it to that because I don't think DeRozan is as as good of a player as A-Rod was compared to his peers in baseball at the time. Uh, but this is what's happening here in the NBA. The same thing, type of thing is happening. Guys that usually would not be getting paid this much are getting enormous deals because somebody has to get paid. And if they are in the top 10 or 15 of a free agent class, not even 10 or 15 of, of the league, you don't have to be a top 10 player now to get a max deal. You just have to be in the top 10 or 15 of the other guys that are looking for deals right now, too. That's why I kind of went through that list earlier, because most of these players are not max players, and you, it, it, the way that, that a max player was looked at just two or three years ago. You know what bugs me the most is this Bradley Beal uh, $130 million five-year deal. Bradley Beal is never healthy. He's never comes up big in any situation. Trying to find, I'm trying to find Bradley Beal on this list, and uh, wow, uh, Basketball Reference has him at number 55 on this list, just ahead of Festus Azili and behind Aaron Aflalo. Uh, Aaron Aflalo, by the way, got a two-year, $25 million deal with the Kings. So, that, yeah, he, Bradley Beal is is making five times as much as the other guys in his bracket. If you want to take this list seriously. Yeah, I don't, I don't take that this seriously. Aflalo uh, had a bad year last year, but I do like him as a player. So little, all right, uh, let's see. Uh, let's focus on the guys who switched teams real quick. So uh, Eric Gordon went to the Houston Rockets on a four-year period. Would you go anywhere near Eric Gordon at this point? How about guys who are injury friends? Would you go four anywhere years? near the Houston Rockets? I mean, as as a player, that's the way I'm looking at that one. Same position as James Harden. Feeling like that. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I'm giving a thumbs down for that. Uh, I think as far as the team is concerned, it's okay in a backup role, but I don't know why he would be going there. It doesn't make sense for him. So I'm thumbs down overall. Eric Gordon. Number 77. Trevor Booker went to the, to the Nets. That was some Nets guys. Got Trevor Booker and Justin Hamilton. Dude, the, the Nets Justin are Hamilton? just – I'm telling you, they're tanking for some reason. I don't, I don't know. Justin Hamilton is a white guy. That uh, played on Minnesota. Huh. 
I don't know if I've ever seen him play basketball. Uh, yeah, so let's see. Joe Dilley went back to the Suns. I like that move. Three years, $30 million deal. $10 million a year for, for Dudley at this point is a steal. Calling that a steal. All right, I can agree with that. Uh, Chandler Parsons, four years ninety-four for the for the yeah, Memphis Grizzlies. That's a pretty okay big deal. That. He just can't he just can't find a home, can he? He's bouncing all over the place. That this guy, um, I guess the Grizzlies are going to take a chance on him here and see how it goes. That's definitely an overpayment. It's another one of those guys that's looking like a a max type of deal that you would never say that before. Um, but that's I mean, that, what is that? Twenty-seven million a year. Twenty-three. Yeah. Al Jefferson, who's his agent? Three years, thirty million dollar deal with the Pacers. What's who's his agent? Uh, and maybe he's trying to win here. He thinks Indiana has a has a good chance for him to win. I bet he probably wasn't offered much, though. To be honest with you. We're living in a world where where, where Jeff Green is going to be making more the Orlando Magic. Yeah, Al Jefferson is pretty far down this list as well. He's at 52. I'm David Lee. Yikes. Basketball reference oh, yeah. does not like Al Jefferson's 12.6.4 rebounds last year. His win share is very low. I didn't even mention our best contract. I was worried about having to pay Jordan Clarkson, and I wanted to let him walk. So they signed him four years for 50. That's like a steal at this point. Yep, that that is a good deal. Jordan yeah. Clarkson, good player. Anyway, Truman obviously, yeah, Truman obviously five years, one thirty. That that's like a no-brainer. That's the other thing about like guys being mad. Uh, oh, here's about a good people. one. People don't realize that like the NBA salary structure, it basically like it makes it impossible to leave until you're about until you're at the free agent where Kevin Durant was now. Like, you have to sign that contract. And in order to not alienate yourself in the city, you have to say the right thing. So it's like you're almost bullied into a position where, like, if you're a jerk, you leave. But, like, right. this is basically the first time he was a free agent. Right, how, about a, how about a little quick game here? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick some players that are similar. I'm not going to tell you what their names are. I'm just going to give you their stats and their contract, and you're going to tell me, uh, who you would prefer to have. And it's probably going to be easy in this first one. But when I give you the names, you might change your mind. I'm not sure. Uh, okay. 11.6 points, 5.1 rebounds, 2.3 assists, four years, 70 million. Uh, the next guy also a four years, 70 million. They all play the same, same ish position, uh, 10 and a half points, five rebounds, four and a half assists. And then a guy for four years, $48 million, Calvin, 9.6 points, 2.6 rebounds, 1.7 assists. He's the discount player, similar. Those three guys. Who sounds great? Who sounds good to you? What's a good value? All those numbers, like, it was hard for me to keep. It was hard for me to, like, keep that all together in my head. So, I don't know. Who who are the guys? Yeah, I I couldn't do it. All right. Well, it's Bazemore, Turner, and Courtney Lee. All those guys. Similar numbers, Lee uh, as a discount player, but do they sound like four years, seventy million dollar players to you? Four years, forty eight for Courtney Lee, even those guys. Do you Jump. do you take baseball in that scenario because he's the youngest? If I just oh, if I just gave you a choice of the three, who do you take? So Bazemore is one hundred and fifty or one hundred forty eight days younger than Evan Turner. If you're looking at age, it's it's a matter of of fit. I think it's a matter of what you're looking for. Turner's more of the distributor. Baysmore is more of the scorer and a better defender. 
So that's a, that's a tough call. I'm not so sure. I think uh, after seeing Turner play, uh, Bazemore probably has a little bit more potential, but he might just fall, plateau a little bit as well. Who knows what's going to happen down there with the Hawks. Him and Schroeder are going to see a lot of time coming up for that team. That's true. He had a very good year. Yeah, I, I kind of like Bazemore. I liked him with the Lakers. Uh, I was sort of disappointed they got rid of him. He played with the Lakers one year, and then he was, he was gone. And then he, in Atlanta, he sort of come up, but I'm kind of rooting for him for that reason. He was sort of uh, a very exuberant bench player as well. You know, so I feel like he's f- like a good player for team How do you chemistry. feel about uh, How do you feel about um, uh, I've always liked Nick, Lee too. Nick Tomb's max deal? What do you think about that? Uh, I'm okay with it. I think Nick Batum last year was, was Charlotte's, like, secret actual best player. Like, if you just look at everything that he did. supposed to be. Uh, yeah, all around. Well, I think, like, Kemba sort of got, like, that all-star recognition, you know, best player. But I, I think Batum was, like, in actuality, like, their most important player. Although I guess he didn't get a max deal. He got five years, 120. So that's not the max max. It's not the yeah, Mike not Conley the max. max. No, sir the super max max deal. You just say it too many times and it just means nothing. And that's what happened in the NBA. They just keep pouring them on, pouring them on, pouring them on. All right. Uh, I'm losing track of time here. What else we got? Uh, what else do we have? Oh yeah. Let's talk about the Celtics draft real quick. So, uh, Penny Inch had eight picks, right? Four in the first, four in the second. Yes. Uh, three in the yeah. first five in the second. Okay. Three in the first five in the second. And he ended up with Jalen Brown with the third pick after a lot of speculation that they would trade their pick to Philadelphia uh, for Jaheel Okobor or, or Jalen's Noel, but that did not come to pass. So they took Brown. Uh, I guess we'll start there. How do you feel about how do you feel about the selection of Jalen Brown as opposed to a, to you know a guy who might have had a higher you know quote value in the draft like a Chris Dutt? Well. I think most people look at Chris Dunn and say he's the best player, and in years past, Danny Ainge probably would have taken that guy. But I think that for once, Ainge drafted... He he found a better balance between talent and need because the Celtics don't need a Chris Dunn to come in and handle the basketball uh, consistently. They already have Isaiah Thomas. They already have Smart, who they seem to trust more and more every week or month as as time goes by. They already have somebody who is capable if he needs to be. And they have Terry Rozier, who they just drafted, and they seem to really like as that type of a player. Jalen Brown, on the other hand, seems to be a guy that's going to come in and work really hard. And I think that he's going to... Uh, grow into his, his body as far as the NBA is concerned, and he's going to put on a lot of muscle, and he's going to be a more athletic version of Jay Crowder. So if he can find a shot, the same way that Jay Crowder is working on his shot and that Avery Bradley worked on his shot for three years in the league, if he can find a shot, then I think his work ethic and his defensive potential is is going to make him be a, a good enough role player and definitely uh, a good value for a top three to five pick. Maybe Danny Ainge reached a little bit here, but I think he was drafting m- with more of a balance between need and talent. And I, 
I don't blame him for that. I actually like it. It's it's a change for Ainge, and I think it's going to be refreshing because the kid definitely has some hop, and I know that he'll he'll he seems to be eager to learn. And uh, I just I think that at that point it's a crapshoot anyway. We talked about that in, weeks ago before the draft even happened. So why not? Yeah, I think that uh, it's interesting because. You sort of, I was wondering if if you thought the uh, the Brown pick was more of a a need pick or a potential pick, but it kind of sounds like you think both. Like, you know, I think I, it is I'm okay both. with it because yeah, I'm okay with it because uh, I don't oh, yeah I don't think that Dunn you know would have had an easy time getting playing time. Although you know at that position he still would have gotten the playing time, but I, I think it just makes more sense because you don't have a lot of depth at small forward. And you're taking the guy who has the highest upside, even even though you know, you know he also has a high downside. But it's like if there's not a guy out there at that position that's like the the obvious pick, then why not? Yeah, why not? You know, swing for the fences. I'm okay with that. If he does turn out to be a great player, then all of a sudden you know you're 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 basically there where you want to be. Right, and people started talking about Marquise Chris as a, a, a player that the Celtics were starting to really like. Going forward, he's six foot nine, uh, so he is a little bit taller than Jalen Brown, but they kind of have the same type of build. Um, and Chris actually went eighth to the Kings, so I think that the, if you're looking at a player that the Celtics were looking for, it was either going to be one of those two guys. And if one of them went to the Celtics like Brown did, the other one was going to fall to to seventh or eighth uh, as Marquise Chris did, because all those other players in the middle there they sort of seem to be guys that are either different types of players or they're uh, a young potential type of player that fills a different kind of need, like uh, Dragon Bender. Who knows what's, what he's going to be able to bring to the NBA next year. Uh, at least these scouts have some confidence in a, in a Buddy Heald or a Jamal Murray or a Chris Dunn who could probably come in and play right now, but since they're playing a different position than Brown or Chris, that's why those guys were going to go 3-8 the teams in the middle didn't need that. So that's the way I look at it. Yeah, I, I would basically agree with that. I just uh, – so how, what about the rest of the draft, then? Do you, do, you, so, do you feel the same? I find it interesting that this Gershon Yabusele is actually playing in the summer league for the Celtics. They were. The, I thought that he was going to be a holdover and he was going to stay in Europe, but uh, they, they seemed to like him enough to bring him to the summer league. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think – uh, Zizic is on the summer league roster. I will see if I can double check that right now, but if I'm wrong, excuse me. But either way, he was their third first round pick, and I don't mind that one if he's going to be ready to play in the next couple of years. That would be an exciting uh, addition if if he had if he fills out his potential. I was a little surprised though that they flipped two picks to Memphis in the second round for a future first round pick, which ends up being the Clippers like 2019 pick. So it's really far down the line. And I, I think that's actually a good thing for the Celtics. Anytime you can trade two second-rounders for a first-rounder for a team that you're not sure whether they're going to be in the, the where they are, top-bottom, that team has fluctuated over the last 15 to 20 years. They could tank easily in the next two or three years if, those, if they have to blow it up. Um, so I think that's good value for the Celtics there as well. I'm happy with that. Yeah, I, you know, obviously it's impossible to say right now. I, I think that they were sort of put in, in that position where, like, 
they were going to have to, you know, make moves. And I am surprised to hear about the French guy whose name I'm not even going to pronounce, try to pronounce yet. Is, is Gershon Yabusele. Gershon Yabusele. Gershon Yabusele. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll work on trying to remember that, uh, you know, depending on how he plays once the regular season starts. Uh, but, yeah, that's interesting. Obviously, not all these guys are going to make the roster. Uh, you'd imagine, you know, a couple of the second guys, three of guys missing the roster. It would, it would have been nice for them to uh, be able to consol- consolidate that a little more than they did. I know they made that Memphis trade, but, um, yeah, you would like Okay, so just to confirm, Zizic, their third first-round pick, is not on the Summer League roster. He uh, will... Let's see if this CBS Sports link is not pulling up quickly. Um, he's going to be in the Adriatic League, so he's not going to be in the NBA in 2016. He's just uh, going to have – the Celtics are just going to have the, his rights for whenever he wants to come over, I guess, and it won't be next year. He's going to be playing over in Europe again. So just to confirm that. All right. Well, that's good to know. Um yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I think it's like you can argue the end result is unless, uh, you know, Brown turns into something or one of those other guys sort of comes out of nowhere and turns into something. It feels a little bit underwhelming, but I think in the end it's, a, it, it's not going to matter because they're just going to have more bites of the apple going forward. But I, I think, it, you know, it, there, it, it, we're at a weird time again in the NBA where it's like, Teams, I feel like teams planned out for a certain future that didn't it didn't work out that way because of you know the cap and the the unanticipated directions that the league went in. I think that having actual assets on your team is like the most important thing. Like that. All right. Well, here's one more deal I want to ask you about before we either end the show or uh, talk about something else for a few minutes. But Rajon Rondo is has signed with the Chicago Bulls, two years, twenty eight million dollars. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because Rondo has not had a good reputation ever since being traded to Dallas from Boston. He then left Dallas in a huff and didn't get along with Rick Carlisle. He went to Sacramento, and reports are he was uh, difficult there at times, and things didn't go well with that team. Is Chicago the team for him? Can he finally get along with some people, or is, is this a setup to get rid of Jimmy Butler? Is Chicago really trying to tank it and using Rondo as a scapegoat? That's that's my conspiracy theory. Oh, I like it. I like it. I think that, you know, some people argue that Rondo had a bit of a bounce back last year. Didn't he lead the league in assists? And I think maybe Oh, his, number, his numbers were outstanding last year. I'm not trying to say that. He played well. But his attitude at times, by, by some reports that I saw, did not go well. And he was very oh, – yeah. the things he said in public were fine. He was very politi- politically correct this year. He didn't say anything stupid. He didn't get caught in any sort of uh, racial or uh, homophobic slurs again like he had before. Um, but overall, I think that reports where he didn't get along with his teammates and he was still a guy that wanted control of a team. So I'm interested to see what happens there because if he thinks that he's going to go in and run the show – that's going to rub Jimmy Butler the wrong way. And maybe he just walks away next year, which would give the Celtics even more hope to, to get to the NBA finals. If he were, they were able to, to sign him. Is he a free agent next year? I thought he was, I thought he was, I'll double check that. But I, I was, I, I thought he was. 
okay. Yeah, I, I assume I he is, and, prob- and if, if he's not, I'll let you know. I'm going right now. Yeah, I, I think it's probably more of a situation where, like, they saw his numbers and they think, like, oh, well, he played in dysfunctional Sacramento. Like, my he mistake. Turn around. He's got he's two not. years in in Chicago. No, so Rondo's yeah, uh, contract now lines up with Jimmy Butler's, basically. Oh, okay. Interesting. They're just gonna so they're basically just going forward with Rondo and Butler as their top two. That's what it looks like to me. And hope hoping that uh, a guy like Robin Lopez helps and Taj Gibson for this year. And I, I don't really know what the Bulls are doing here. What do you think? I, it's just it seems I mean, like they I don't really have much going forward. Yeah, they're, they're going to be mediocre. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did end up trading Butler at some point, but they didn't like what was offered for him. So, uh, yeah, don't be surprised. It's weird. Anyway, maybe that's that's my conspiracy theory right there. Rondo to Chicago, he's the scapegoat. They're going to be terrible for the next two years. It's the Rondo and Butler show over there, Calvin. Um, I like. You got anything like else you want to get out there tonight? No, I'm losing steam a little bit, but um, no. yeah, I feel like we talked about a lot of things tonight. All right, okay. another show in the books. Maybe we can try and do more than one a month going forward. Now that the now that the big holiday in the middle of the summer is over, uh, we'll work on that, and I'm pretty sure we'll be back next week, the 12th. Yeah, sounds. Oh no, we won't. Hopefully. I. I am not around the 12th or the 13th, so we will not be back next week. <laughs> but perhaps we'll be back the week after that. Great. <laughs> yep. Boom. Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm taking uh, some, some weird days off this uh, this summer, and that's one of them. going to be driving up to good old Guilford, New Hampshire to sing songs and looking. dance around. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, there it is. Whoop, there it is. So if, if you want to hear Careless Whispers next week around this time, just listen to an old episode. Go find them at clnsradio.com. Find them on Blog Talk Radio. Find them on my Twitter feed. They're all there. Team Green Truth on Twitter. That's right. Go check it out. All the episodes are posted up there. And uh, that's it. That's going to do it for us. Calvin, what else do you have to say? Nothing? I have literally nothing left to say. Literally Not nothing left to say. Boom. There it goes.